Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. Hey, super glad all of you guys could join us this morning. I've got five announcements. I've decided to start telling you how many announcements I have, and instead of me saying, hey, I got one more, I got one more. So here we go, right away. Hey, June, January 8th is when we're going to start back up with everything, and so uh, enjoy this little week off one more time. There's no family dinners or Kids Connect, but on January 8th, we'll come back and hit it strong. Um, the, the last... Uh, the last week, I completely forgot to announce this, but uh, there is, uh, Brittany Salee is getting married next week, and she just wanted to uh, allow you guys to know that everybody is welcome, and so uh, that is next Saturday here at the church, and I can't even remember what time it is, please tell me, yeah. two o'clock, so come and uh, have a fun time and just uh, be uh, celebrating that. That is pretty incredible, Brittany and uh, Connor getting married. Um, there is no children's church today as uh, we kind of on the fifth Sunday of, of every of the months that have fifth Sunday, we don't do children's church. And so if you didn't, weren't, didn't grab a, uh, a clipboard when you came in during the worship time, just walk in the back there in the, uh, in the welcome center, grab a clipboard and you'll be good to go uh, with that. Uh, and also, uh, while kind of you're back there, kind of around there in the kitchen area, Olivia has set up a lost and found uh, place. Uh, go do some uh, after Christmas shopping there. Uh, there's some pretty great. There's some pretty great things. I think I saw like a Columbia coat and some glasses and different things like that. So if you're into wearing other people's stuff, go for it. All right. And uh, the last one is this, is this week is the last week for year-end giving. And so um, if you're still kind of trying to figure some of those things out, um, next Sunday will actually be kind of the last time that we'll take 2019's givings. You just need to write on there December 31st on your check, but uh, we'll continue to do that up to next week. So you still have a little bit of time uh, to be able to get some of that stuff in. Great. Awesome. Hey, you'll notice in the uh, seat back in front of you guys, there's two cards. There's a welcome card. If you know that we don't have your right information or you are brand new here, would you just please fill that out so that we can uh, either get you updated or put you into the system so you just know kind of what's going on um, in our church and, and the things that are happening. And the last one is, and probably the most important one for me, is this prayer card. Um, every week we ask you guys to uh, just... If you have any prayer requests, just fill those cards out and uh, give us your prayer requests so that we can be praying for you all week long, but also hand it off to our prayer team. And so they'll be praying for you and, and keep, you, uh, keep you in their prayers as things go on. If you have praise items, would you please put them in there? Because even sometimes our... Um, our prayer team doesn't know exactly, hey, how'd that turn out? And so they continue to pray for you until they hear something different, okay? And so uh, we just love praying for our church family. So let's pray together this morning before we start our worship. I gotta thank you for the Christmas season that we came through and just the ability to have family and to uh, relax with them and to enjoy each other's company, to enjoy the season of being able to give gifts and uh, give um, 
possibly just a little bit of ourselves in terms of uh, the thought process that goes into things, the amount of time it takes for, uh, for cooking or games or all that sort of stuff. But Lord, I, I just pray that uh, in some of those moments, we would be able to cherish um, the time, cherish each other, but knowing that you are the one that gives life, that you are the one who shows us how to truly live with one another. And, and even in the season, I just think about all the heartache and the, um, even the fighting that goes on in, within families, Lord, that we could look to you to change our hearts and our minds and our attitudes to, to more align with who you are. So God, even as we head into the new year, I think about all the resolutions that we think about creating for ourselves or the things that we want to do this year that we didn't do last year or the times that we feel like we should better ourselves. But Lord, would we look to you first and would we allow you to seek our hearts and show us what ways are in our hearts that aren't exactly correct? And God, would we start there for our new year's resolutions? And so... God, would we worship you today for who you truly are? Could we give you the praise that you're due, and could we set down all of our worries, all of our fears, all of our anxieties, and come to your throne with joy this morning? God, we love you, and we thank you for being such a great God. In your name we pray, amen. If you have your Bibles, why don't you flip open to Acts chapter 28 with me. We uh, get to finish the book of Acts today, and so a lot of you might be uh, uh, rejoicing about that, but uh, some of you might be like, wow, that was such a good book. We've enjoyed being in it, and so um, I, uh, I'm really excited to finish the rest of, the, uh, rest of this book with you guys uh, before we head into the, into the new year, I want to once again say what I've said every single time is that uh, the book of Acts is founded on one verse, um, and it actually not founded, it has its foundation in one verse, and that's found in Acts chapter 1a, and it's on the side screens here if you'll read it with me together. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's the whole point. The book of Acts is really saying, hey, we want to set up uh, the church to be the witness everywhere. Um, if you want an even more uh, uh, analogy close to home, it is that uh, we are to be God's witnesses in uh, Glasgow, Valley County, Montana, and then anything outside of that to the outer ends of the earth. And so as we've been doing that, we've been uh, lately looking at how Paul has been going through um, most of his life and kind of saying, here's, um, here's what I've been doing. And so it's no different in these verses um, here at the very end. But I, I think I was going to preach on the fact of how do you finish well? Um, but really it came down to... Uh, what does it mean to really be a witness as I kind of walked through this and kind of walked through at the end of his, kind of at the end of the book, not really the end of his career, but um, at the end of this book just going, hey, how does it end being a witness? 
And so uh, if you'll read with me, I, I want to start with verses 17 through the rest of the chapter. And really, uh, the stuff that you're just going to miss here is that uh, he sails, they go to a couple places, he pre- basically just preaches Jesus everywhere he goes, and then when he finally gets to going to Rome, um, all the believers uh, who uh, believe in Jesus know that he's coming, and so they actually leave Rome and start meeting him like miles outside of Rome and kind of... Uh, Uh, travel with him just to learn from him. But in verse 17 is where we picked up when he's in Rome. And so here we go. If you don't have your Bibles, you can read it on the side screens with me. And it says this, three days after Paul's arrival, he called together the, the local Jewish leaders. He said to them, brothers, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Roman government, even though I had done nothing against our people or customs or of our ancestors. The Romans tried me and wanted to release me because they found no cause for death for the death sentence. But when the Jewish leaders protested the decision, I felt it necessary to appeal to Caesar, even though I had no desire to press charges against my own people. I asked you to come here today so that we could get acquainted and so I could explain to you that I am bound with these chains because I believe that the hope of Israel, the Messiah, has already come. They replied, we have had no letters from Judea or reports against, against you from anyone who has come here. But we want to hear what you believe. For the only thing we know about this movement is that it is denounced everywhere. This is the only thing they've heard about this, and they're all the way in Rome, that the only thing is, is that, hey, this is not a good movement, and it's not true. And he's just said that I want to tell you guys that the Messiah has come. He goes on to say in verse 23, So a time was set, and on that day a large number of people came to Paul's lodging. He explained and testified about the kingdom of God and tried to persuade them about Jesus from the scriptures. Using the law of Moses and the books of the prophets, he spoke to them from morning until evening. Some were persuaded by the things he said, but others did not believe. And after they had argued back and forth amongst themselves, they left with this final word from Paul. The Holy Spirit was right when he said to your ancestors through Isaiah the prophet, go and say to this people, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear and, they're cl- and they have closed eyes. So their eyes cannot see and their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. So I want you to know that this salvation from God has also been offered to the Gentiles and they will accept it. For the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. He welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ and no one tried to stop him. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, God, as we just crack open uh, this word, would it sink into our hearts? Would we pull out gems from it? Would we be able to allow it to show us who we are so that we can align ourselves to you? So God, as we, as we finish this book, would we know in our hearts that you are calling us to be a witness everywhere we go? 
And God, would we allow you to speak through us, not just have some sort of amazing story or anything like that, but just your word, your Holy Spirit speaking through us. And so God, as we dive into these last few verses, would we allow it to change us? In your holy name we pray, amen. I don't know if you know this about me, but uh, most people would say that I'm kind of just a fun, gregarious person, and anywhere I go is really super easy for me, but I actually have really bad social anxiety. Um, you guys, most of you wouldn't know this, or you would think that I, uh, I hide it with jokes, but if you're uh, a close friend with me, you would know that when I go into um, a lot of places, I usually will uh, kind of just like think wow, everybody, what does this person think of me? Or I'll find a corner until I feel welcome in this area, right? Like a lot of people say, well, you're really super funny at church or have tons of fun. But as soon as I go to a, uh, for instance, the other night I went to a basketball game here and we, we watched uh, the basketball players play and my friend was like, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? You're like, you're, you're super awkward. And I'm sitting there going, do you realize, like, we're at this basketball game, and do you realize how many people don't know Jesus? Right? And so I'm making this blanket statement that there's a lot of people in this room, or even in this town, that don't know Jesus. And then I think, of, and he's like, so? Like, that's why the church is here. And I'm like, okay, well, great. Well, here's the deal. If everybody that I know says, hey, the evangelical church uh, that we go to, uh, that's our church, if I were to ask tons of people, this place would be packed out every single week, right? And so like I have this anxiety of, oh my goodness, is there something wrong with me? Is, am I not doing it? Or if people found out that I was a pastor, what would they automatically think? And so my wife gets really annoyed with me when somebody comes up to me and says, hey, what do you do? And I'm like, you don't want to know what I do. And uh, I, I say I work with people, right? And so they think I'm a social worker. Or they think I'm a psychologist, which would be really cool if people thought I was a psychologist because then I'd be smart. But one of the things that uh, I think is interesting is, is that I just get super nervous about what if somebody knows that I'm a pastor? What do they automatically think? What if somebody knew, hey, this person's a Christian, what would they automatically think? Would they have assumptions about you if, they, if you went out there and said, I'm a Christian right away, and what would they say? And with all those things, when I look at this piece of scripture, I think about Paul right away. And I think, what sort of anxiety does this guy have? He's going to a brand new place where there's probably not a lot of Christians or a lot of people who, um, who know him super well. And so he's going, and of course, there's people coming out of Rome and meeting him, and, and he's going in there. But does he ever go to Rome, which has far more than a million people at this point? Does he ever go to Rome and go, there's so many people here who don't know Jesus? Does he ever wonder, there's so much work to do, I could never accomplish this all because we've got so much to do and so little time? And then it hits me that at some point in this scripture, he's speaking to them all day long and none of them go, yep, or not all of them go, yep, we're Christians now, we're good to go. They fight amongst themselves and about half of them go, yep, we, we think that this is true. And the other half is like, eh, I, and I'm just being optimistic. I don't even think it's half and half. And in fact, actually, we know that it takes almost about 300 more years for Rome to actually go, hey, we want to be a Christian kind of 
not, I wouldn't say it's a Christian nation, but man, we identify as, hey, Christianity is the right way to follow. I mean, it takes that long, and Paul only stays there for two more years. Does he walk away from Rome and go, well, I tried my best? Does he leave it in God's hands? And in fact, actually, some of my friends will come to me and say, hey, here's the deal. You can only do what you can do when you're in social settings or when you're around people or, uh, or when you're working on a Sunday morning during the week. Like you have to just know that that's what God is calling you to do. And so you have to leave the results to God because once again, if we talk about we're witnesses, none of us in this room, okay, can point and go, yep, I brought that person to Jesus. No, it's absolutely God that draws people and it's us that just get to say, hey, here's the truth of that. But so when we look at this piece of scripture then, what comes to the point of, hey, if we are witnesses, what happens when it doesn't go the way that we want it to go? What happens when there's truly just some people that just walk away and they don't want anything to do with Christ? How can we look at that a little bit differently in our mindset this morning and go, okay, I've done whatever I can do. And I love the very end of Acts when he just completely says, he just boldly proclaims the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord and no one tried to stop him. And he's sitting there and just going, no, I'm just gonna continue on doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So what happens when we boldly proclaim the kingdom of God and it doesn't turn out the way that we want to? And I think that there's three things that fall out of this. And um, I've taken a couple of these things from a book called uh, Evangelism in a Skeptical World by Sam Chan. And uh, these are just really cliff notes of cliff notes, tell you the truth. And so I, I just want to walk through you guys this morning, walk with you guys this morning about what if some people don't follow Christ? How should we be looking at it? Maybe there's family members in your life that you've gone, we've worked tirelessly to bring them to Jesus Christ and they still aren't answering that call. Or you have, you have uh, not just family members, but coworkers or just people you meet on the street or people you know that are distant relatives or people who have come to church and walk away from church and all of those things. What things can we be asking ourselves this morning about why do some people not follow Christ? And the first one is this. If you're taking notes with me, you can pull it out. The first one is, is the reason why some people don't follow Christ is because of their hardened hearts. Is because of their hardened hearts. Right away, you'll see uh, that Paul says it, right? He gets done arguing with them. And at the very end, and they keep arguing, and he says, I just want to leave you with this. Okay, it's kind of his last-ditch effort, right? That the reason why you guys aren't understanding this is because Isaiah mentioned this a long time ago, so I'm not surprised. And it says this in verses 26 through 27. Go and say to this people, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For their hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes. So their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. 
Simply people don't want to be bothered with changing their hearts. But we just don't leave it at that, right? We just don't walk away. Maybe it's because they don't understand how, hey, this word that's going on, it doesn't fit their plausibility structure. And what I mean by that is this, is that some of them might look at this and go, this isn't a true thing. If somebody was to come to you today and, and, and come in this and stand up right here and go, UFOs absolutely exist. There are some of you in this room who would go, yep, yep, UFOs exist because I've seen one or I've experienced it. But most of us would go, mm, no, UFOs don't exist, right? So we can look at that person and go, what a kook, right? There are some people in this world that just go, hey, Christianity is a crutch for weak people and I don't want it. Jesus, he couldn't have ever existed why do you put your belief on a, on a guy that doesn't exist? Maybe there are some of them that Christianity actually, how we've uh, presented it, and we're going to get there in just a second, but some of them, hey, their prior, their prior belief systems aren't uh, adequately addressed. We look at it and they're sitting there going, yep, yep, I, but I just don't resonate with that. I don't, I don't understand it. Or, hey, I grew up in a different belief system and this is what I believe, right? This is what Paul is doing is, is this whole entire uh, Jewish nation is sitting there and Paul's going, hey, maybe we need to look at X, Y, and Z. And they're just like, nope, nope, doesn't make sense to me. We're not gonna do it. It says in scripture that when the Messiah does come, this is what's gonna happen, that Israel is gonna become great again. And you're telling us that the Messiah came and he just died, so nope, that does not resonate with me. Possibly we might need to spend a little bit more time with them and do some more critical thinking and just go, hey, what do you believe? What do you believe? Can I help dismantle that a little bit? Can I maybe give you a little bit more truth that's out there? And then actually later on, go back to the gospel. Sometimes we love to hit people over the head with that, right? Like, ah, you need to do this. Or what you just need is Jesus, and that's it, and we leave it there. Well, guess what? People can walk around and look at people, other people, and go, well, Jesus didn't change you. It's not going to change me. The other thing is, is that I think that some people have hard hearts because all we want to do is beat them with the facts. Here's the facts over and over again. And we haven't even talked about emotions. We haven't even talked about how we personally know about Christ. And once again, that leads us into other things down the road, which brings us to our second point, that why do some people not follow Christ? Because of you. Because of us. And I'll explain that in a little bit, but maybe you're the reason why people don't want to follow Christ. Not only are people hard-hearted, but what is your example? And when I say your, I trust me, I know that I am just as much in there. Love this idea of thinking about ourselves in terms of why people don't follow Christ. It's really easy to blame other things. Oh, that's the way the world is going. But when we look at ourselves and 
we look at even Paul's, uh, even Paul's example. Sometimes I wonder if we can look at how we've had a clear conscience. Paul over and over again, and in fact, even I, I love when he's sitting in front of these leaders, uh, these Jewish leaders in Rome, he's sitting there going, I've done nothing wrong in terms of the law of Moses, any of those things. And so I didn't actually, so I can sit here in front of you with a completely clear conscience. I wonder how many of us can say that when we come to the point of somebody not following Jesus. Do we have clear conscience? Have we allowed God to work on our hearts so that we can sit in front of somebody and go, yeah, okay. Have we done the due diligence to look at our own sin and our own hearts and our own guilt and go, God, I am really sorry for the things that I've done. Would you help change my attitude when it comes to witnessing to people? And notice that a lot of this isn't just absolutely sitting in front of somebody and having coffee and going, here's the gospel, let me lay it out to you. Do you accept Jesus Christ or not? Now, this might be years. This might be spending time over multiple cups of coffee. This might be growing friendships and you can look back at yourself and go, okay, where have I gone wrong? Where have I not been the good, greatest example? I was almost gonna say goodest and that's not a word. Sometimes we seem to have this kind of gap between the people we talk to. Maybe we haven't found, when it comes to us, maybe we haven't found the common ground in understanding other people. Are we willing to look at their past histories and, and what's going on? Can we maybe sit down with them and go, hey, what's really going on in your life? Do we look to understand or do we force them to understand our way? Maybe another thing that we need to ask ourselves is, are we really answering the questions they're asking? Maybe their questions aren't being answered by us. So sitting down with them and allowing them to ask questions is incredibly huge. You know, I think something, uh, another reason why it's because of, because of when I say you and us, it's because there's been some horrible things that are done in the name of God through the Christian church. And so possibly people look at us and go, man, your, your ethics don't, don't match up. And here's the kicker on this one that I absolutely love. Sam Chan hit on this in his book. He says that the gospel isn't real in Christians' lives. When it boils down to it, the gospel just isn't real in our lives. It's something we add on to things. I love the DC Talk song, and I don't know who quotes this or anything like that, but right before they start in their song, he, he says, this guy comes on and he says, the single greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who profess them with their mouths and turn around and deny them with their lifestyle. If the gospel isn't real, then all of us really don't lead people into it. I think First uh, Peter uh, chapter 3 says this in incredibly well. He says, instead, you must worship Christ 
as the Lord of your lives. That is the wrong verse. Wow, 1 Peter 2.1, that's what I wanted, thanks. <laughs> Which is right there, it says, So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. How many of you can look at that right now and go, yep, I know somebody in this very room who has hypocrisy, hypocrisy, hypocrisy. Wow, I am just nailing it today with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and unkind speech. Now, I'm not asking you to point fingers, but what I'm trying to get at to say is this, is that all of us have this, but we are encouraged to get rid of it. Matthew 5, 16 comes along and says, and in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. That's the whole point. The whole point of this is that we are living our lives so that others may see Christ and worship him. I wish that I could just point at things and go, this is what's wrong with you, this is what's wrong with us, and all of this stuff, and, and make it better. But I think that it comes down to, back to Acts chapter 1, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we are revealed what's in our hearts, what's wrong, and where we need to be redirected. We're going to be talking about that in the, in the uh, scripture, not the scriptures, the sermons to come in uh, the New Year, New You series that we're going to be doing, talking about how do we get back into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ so that we are the people who are living the gospel, really. So that we are the people who allow the Holy Spirit to guide and direct our lives. And the last reason why I think people uh, don't follow Christ is because it may just take some time. In fact, actually, they say the national average for bringing somebody to Christ is more like they hear the gospel message seven times on average. That means it takes multiple times for us to have that conversation. It's not a one-and-done type thing. It's not a walking away. It's I think there's a couple things that are involved in that. One is they just maybe simply don't understand sin and guilt. Maybe we're not explaining it to them well enough. Maybe they don't want to hear because of their hard hearts. But as we're walking with them and we are even going about changing who we are as we walk with Jesus, that they start to understand, wait a second, they do have something different. Maybe people are waiting for it to take hold in our lives. And it takes time for that to happen. Maybe it's our wording. When we talk about, oh, well, that's just sin. Maybe it is this idea that, wait a second, if God is holy, I'm, I'm not honoring God with my life. Maybe it's changing our vernacular a little bit, vernacular a little bit. Sometimes it's even talked about like this, that the world is changing where it used to be that we could just share truth and get them to believe and then they would live it. But now it's almost the exact opposite is, is that we're asking people just to try it out, try to live it, and then they can believe and understand the truth. 
it's totally backwards from the way it's always been, right? If we could just share the truth, this is the truth. And, and guess what? They're not so much interested in truth anymore as they're interested in, does it really work for you? And that takes time. So that means that we have to reorient ourselves to that, that maybe Paul doesn't just go, yep, I'm done here. No, he takes two years to sit down, to rent a place, to allow people to ask tons of questions. I'm just going to tell you that in our world right now, two years is really quick. It goes by like this. What if that two years looks more like 10? Would you be willing to invest in a relationship that long? Or would you move on because, hey, we've got other things to do? Do you allow your own life to get in the way? And the last one, which I think comes back into, uh, it takes time, is Christianity isn't solving the problems of the world. We've gotten some things wrong sometimes, and it takes a little bit more time for us to show that, guess what? We are trying to solve some of those problems. It used to be that what we would say is, oh, well, the problems that we're solving are just, it, it would be all solved with Jesus. But I think they're looking for a little bit more to sink their teeth into. It says in verse 30 that for the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. He welcomed all who visited him. I'm just going to tell you that that last part, he welcomed all who visited him, is really sometimes hard for me. Because I think that I need to move on to the next thing. But I don't see what's right in front of me sometimes. I don't see the opportunities. I don't ask God in the morning to go, hey God, would I be aware of all the opportunities that you're bringing my way today? There are some people in our lives that keep coming back over and over and over again, and we want to say, oh, that's, your, that's still your same problems you're dealing with. Or can't you see that you need to change something different? Or we've already written them off. But I love that idea that it says that he welcomed everybody who came to visit him. He took every opportunity he could to say, hey, here's what's going on with Jesus. Not only am I going to share scripture with you, but I'm going to share how God has changed my own life and I want to show you how it really works in my life. Peter says later on in some of his uh, books, he says, man, be ready at any moment to give an account to explain why you believe in Jesus. If there's anything I could encourage you on right now is write that out. If you don't have a quick 30-second thing of why you think that Jesus is real and that he affects your life and this is the truth about it, man, you're, you're not ready at every, any moment to do that. That's going to take some time, by the way. I think a lot of us in this room that if I was to sit down with you or even you sit down with me and you go, all right, 30 seconds, go. We would have a really hard time. 
we would fumble through things. Maybe that 30 seconds would actually turn into 30 minutes. And by the time we were done with 30 minutes, we would go, now, do you understand? I know I threw a lot of things out there, but do you understand? And they would go, oh my goodness, I just asked for a quick 45 second thing. And if we're going to end Acts well and look into the future of, of us being witnesses, I want to end with this this morning. Have you invited the Holy Spirit to be a part of your everyday? Have you desired that the gospel is always spoken out of your mouth and lived through your life? to be God's witness, telling everybody about him. Because if we don't get that, and if we don't desire that, then this book of Acts has been a waste of time. Do you desire to be a witness no matter what the outcome is, no matter if the person never follows Christ or is following Christ now? Do we desire that all people know Jesus Christ? And that starts with having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because you see, I could sit here and I could explain to you guys all through this, like this is why people don't come to Christ or anything like that, but really comes down to, boils down to, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and do you desire that other people do as well? So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and we're going to sing this last song together. God, would we be people who desire to do your will day in and day out, that we would spend the time needed to be with you. We would allow your Holy Spirit to fill us so that we can be your witness everywhere. God, would we, would we allow you to change our hearts, our minds, and our actions? And God, would we do the due diligence to spend time with people, to persuade, to encourage a relationship with you. God, thank you for sending your son so that we could have a relationship with you. God, we are sorry for where we've fallen short and we ask that you would heal our hearts. That God, that you would lead us in the way everlasting and that we would see you we thank you, Lord. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Have a great Sunday. We love you. Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.